0: All right. Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. And uh, today we have York Hazet on the show and he is the, I guess we are just going to say like, you know, a pretty kind of a big deal IT guy over at Schreiber. And I shouldn't be looking at your website right now. I'm, I'm a little, I'm quite hungry i haven 't eaten yet today, so you know capers are looking fairly tasty to me your Your beef base. Um, you guys are the flavor experts. am I understanding this correctly?
1: yeah, yes we are thanks for having me on, uh, Philip yeah, we are the uh, fl- uh, purveyors of fine flavors is the official company um, uh, um, you know motto and um, I'm surprised you actually like capers because most people don't so good for you <laughs> Well,
0: I grew up you know my mom made this like uh, like a lemon chicken piccata growing up like twice a week it was just like one of those things that my dad's <clears throat> my dad loved. And actually she put capers on it all the time. And I'll be honest with you, I probably did scrape the capers off, but um, (laughs) it's reminding me of that meal that I ate twice a week, you know, growing up all my life. So, um, great, man. So we're going to bring some flavor to, uh, the it leadership world today. Um, but before we get there, uh, I just like to ask everyone this question because I, this is just what I do, man. What was your first computer growing up? How'd you get into technology?
1: So I, I'm I'm uh, you know I've been doing this a long time so I'm probably aging myself but my first computer was a uh, an IBM PC Jr that my father had brought home from IBM he was a, a long time IBM veteran and uh, I was about sixteen and uh, you know the thing didn't even have a hard drive but it uh, amazingly it had a wireless keyboard it used some sort of infrared you know TV controller type technology and it kind of worked and kind of didn't, but you know, I I really enjoyed playing around with that and it kind of piqued my interest in technology. I think that was my first real foray into that kind of, uh, you know, world, which at the time to me seemed really fascinating. So.
0: Well, it was a computer that I was jealous of when I used to go to Sears and I remember walking through Sears, um, and seeing it. And, you know, back then for us, it was like, Well, what game? Well, for me, it was, I don't know about everyone else. For me, it was what games can you play on it? Uh, How do I get this joystick? And uh, I never had the, I never got the PC jr. Mine was a a TI 99 was our first computer, which was still cool. Um, Yeah. But what do you like? Did you play any games on it? Did you have any games? What was it?
1: Well, um I had a TRS-80 which, you know, affectionately was referred to as the Trash 80, which was really my gaming machine if you want to call it and <laughs> right, so cool. Of course all my games were on floppies, but um you know, it's funny that you mentioned that IBM was sold in Sears because at the time before that, I think they even had, you had to buy their stuff at IBM stores. So it was kind of like the first incarnation of like the Apple store uh-huh. minus the genius, minus the genius bar, of course, you know, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, uh, I guess <laughs> IBM, IBM realized, you know, that, you know, we need to like, you know, spread our wings here and sell stuff in other stores as well. But, you know, we're talking about the days when, you know, nobody owned a PC except for, you know, engineers, computer type nerds and people like that. So, you know, it wasn't mainstream yet at all. And the internet really didn't, you know, the worldwide web as we know it today didn't even exist. So, but you know, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because I was just thinking about those days and it's, you know, when you had to go to the store and buy software in a box, you know, and bring it home and then load it and wait and yeah. all that fun it used stuff. To be on, you like, like
0: car- I remember like some software being on a carousel, like they would spin around <clears> the <throat> yeah. store and I wanted, you know, <sighs> I just remember a day seeing Rampage. Do you Remember that like game Rampage, where you'd climb up. The oh yeah, and like smash it. Yeah, I remember. It? It. Like I remember that when that was like available on the computer, and I just remember like, Dad, please, can we get this? No, no, just didn't happen. But so, what kind of like what would you do on the PC, Junior? And I, and another side note because I had the guy like a guy come in. Um, I t- like tested my water, like whatever it was, like the, the water tests. Sales guy came to my house the other day, and you know he had used to, he used to work at GNC, and he was like maybe twenty seven. I'm talking to him. And I'm like, do you realize? I'm like, I'm old now because I'm talking about you know I was alive when the internet was invented. I was like, do you? I was like, that's just like amazing. It's just it's unbelievable to me that you are alive and you never experienced non cell phone usage, like non internet age, like like we were alive when the internet did not exist like like and I'm like I'm yeah. like we used to use computers like what do we use computers for like word processing like you to, like we'd stick a disk in to boot it up then we'd stick a disk in for the word processor and then we'd stick a disk, disk in <laughs> uh, uh, to just save one paper you know and you'd have these like all these disks stacked up with your like school papers on it and then you didn't need one anymore so you'd put a little piece of tape over the thing so you could write
1: Anyways. Yeah. And no, you, it, it, you, you're bringing back a lot of memories. I mean, I mean, I remember even, you know, uh, uh, Texas or uh, no, what, who was it? Uh, Radio Shack had released the ta- the Tandys, you know, and they, they even had a cassette deck, you know, you would load your software or, you know, through a cassette tape, which to me was just, you know,
0: That's uh, amazing. Uh, uh, like otherworldly,
1: <laughs> other you know, it was like, what's going on tape, here, you know, just, tape backup. Uh, uh. Right. I worked Literally. in
0: a, a call center one time where I was doing like call center, like uh, the save account for like Quest Wireless and, you know, helping people like, how do I program mm-hmm. my name into my cell phone? <laughs> well, you've got to hit the like, you know, the two button three times for C. And the five button twice for K, you know, and next to us in the department over was, the t- was like the, the Hewlett Packard like tape backup support department, which was like huge. It was like, oh, you know, like hundreds of people for like the HP tape backup. Which um, yeah. does not exist anymore. Although I bet you people still have tape backups, and people certainly still have Lotus Notes. That's a subject for another time. Right. Um, so, so, anyways, what did you do on this thing? How did you grow? How did you get into technology? It's just. I could talk about this stuff all day for a thousand episodes. I'll probably have to move on from the, uh, the, what was your first computer? (laughs) So
1: could I, yeah. Uh, Um, well, you know, funny. I'm going to nerd out on you here for a second, but my father had brought home this program called Prancer, which basically stands for print, print enhancer. And it was an IBM program and it allowed you to actually, on a dot matrix printer, you know, if you remember those, those old guys with the ribbon, the ribbon ink, uh, all
0: you have to do is go to any airport, yeah, still you know, yeah,
1: exactly. They're still using them amazingly. <laughs> they're pretty reliable, but you know, they're noisy as heck and they take forever. But anyway, I digress. So, Prancer basically was a program that allowed you to create you know, very elaborate. Um, and again, we're not talking true type fonts here, you know, basically like mm-hmm. really cool print, uh, uh, um, you know, art on pieces of paper. So, so you, could you could make could like program. the big
0: banner like that you yeah. would put outside the garage door that said like, welcome home. And it could have right. like a <clears throat> unicorn on it.
1: Yes, and it was extremely pixelated. And by today's (laughs) standards, it was laughable. But back then, it had a coolness factor. You know, it was like, wow, look at that. You know, the guy just did a whole banner. And if you look really closely, you can see tiny little letters in there, you know. And we could rip
0: (laughs) the pieces of paper in half in the little circles off the side. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So keep going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I started playing around with that. And then it made me, you know, my dad said, Hey, you know, you should try programming. So I started messing around with basic, which I think is what almost every programmer back then started with. And logo Mm -hmm. was another one where you could have little lines, go different directions. And I just used to go
0: like right turn 45 and go like 2000. You remember of course.
1: It, yeah, you remember. Yeah. So you could do colors and all kinds of different things. And it, I mean, it was just something to play around with to see what you could could, could do, you know, and what, how uh-huh. far could you push the boundaries. And I think that's really the essence of software development even today is like, how far can I push this? You know, how, how far uh-huh. can I get this? What can I get this thing to do for me? You know, and of course, you know, now we're talking about AI. But back then it was like simple stuff. Like, how do I get this line to go from this side of the screen to this side of the screen? you know, and how do I, how many pixels do I need? And, you know, what longitude and latitude do I need? And, you know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, math and, and also just trying to figure things out and processing, you know, trial and error kind of thing, you know, but that's, that's what really kind of got me started, Philip. I mean, I was really like, you know, sort of engrossed in that. And I thought, man, this is really cool. And I think what, what what set me apart from some of my peers was I could see the logical progression of this, where it was headed. And I could say that, okay, this may look simplistic and silly right now, but in five, mm-hmm. 10 years, this this could be really something something to talk about, you know? And, mm. you know, word processing to me wasn't even that impressive back then because I was like, okay, you can do the same thing on a typewriter, but what, exactly. what can you make a computer do that a typewriter can't do? You mm. know, and that's when things, that's when you start, you know, splitting the atom, so to speak. <laughs> it, so, it's
0: it's it's still mind-boggling every time I think about it. Every time I think about how fa- how far we came um, since electricity and electricity yeah. alone. Electricity alone is still unbelievable. Like someone was like, "Hey, how do I how do I extract a, a lightning bolt with a key and a kite and make it go- now go yeah. down wires?" That's another one that we really just, we just can't go down. This we'll keep we'll go forever. So, kind yeah. of, what was the jump like? How did you um? So, like, was it college? Was what was the first job in IT? Kind of like, let's fast forward a little bit and, and kind of get to that yeah. right now.
1: Well, okay. So, I, I basically when I went to college, I started doing. Um, you know, I, I initially went into computer science, which to me was not really. Um, you know, okay, let me back up. So originally I went into aeronautical science thinking that maybe I wanted to begin into aviation, but I got kind of bored with it because it was more, you know, physics and it didn't really have the 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 panache that I thought it was going to have. So I I switched over to computer science and then computer science was more writing device drivers and operating systems and hardware abstraction layers and getting into the guts of, you know, assembly language and things like that. And that was a little bit too deep for me because um, I realized that some of it was just probably beyond my understanding and it required a level of dedication. And I don't know if I had at the time, you know. And so uh-huh. I switched over to uh, computer information systems or what they sometimes call management information system, which is yeah. more business-oriented computing. And uh-huh. that's where I really found my my, ne- my niche. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what I like to do because now I'm solving business problems. And that's what mm. I was kind of wanting to get into. I wanted to come in and set, solve business problems. Mm-hmm. you know, and help people to, um, you know, grow their business using software.
0: So, And what was the, can you remember, like, what was one of those problems or can you think of a problem that, that was solved or like, what was that really kind of caught your attention? I'm just curious. Well,
1: Yeah, so my first job out of college was working for a company called uh, NCCI, National Council for Compensation Insurance, and Mm -hmm. basically they were they're a workers' comp data uh, data warehousing firm, and I had been assigned to a project uh, called Retrospect Retro Rate. We had a software called Retro Rate, which does Mm -hmm. retrospective rating, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but basically it's something that actuaries use to determine. Um, you know, insurance rates for different types of workers' comp claims. And it uses basically... Bean counting. Statistical, <laughs> yeah, statistical manipulation. Insurance guys basically.
0: and bean counting. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. How much should we pay?
1: So, yeah, exactly. You got it. So long story short, I had to sit with actuaries who are very intense mathematicians and take what they know and make the software do that. And that was quite a challenge for me because I had to... Base, it was the first time I had to take a business problem and make the computer software do that problem for them so mm-hmm. that they didn't have to do it by hand or manually so mm-hmm. that that was a challenge and i really enjoyed it because it really pushed me to my limits and said okay let me see if i can get the, get the computer to do this and and i wrote the program in c++ at the time but you know it um it was a challenge because we were dealing with rounding and mathematical you know uh equations that were very intense and 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 quite a bit of data which you know at the time databases were not as robust as they are today so you mm-hmm. know there was a, there was a lot of things involved in that but it was it was pretty cool though i really enjoyed that you know that that really was my first i i would want to say success you know with with writing software to solve business problems
0: i remember the first time i saw c++ like big, thick textbook. I can still remember where it was in college and I was a creative writing major. So I looked at that and just was like, like, "Ah." (laughs) I'll never do do that. (laughs) It's like, how did I end up in technology? I would, you know, everything that just a little bit about me that most people don't know is everything that I ever said I would not do has happened to me. So don't, <laughs> just don't ever look down upon anybody yeah. for anything or any reason. That's, that's the lesson in life uh, because right. I have been blessed. Yeah, it's, like that, it's, with, like
1: that, it's like that commercial on TV where the guy's like, I'm never getting married. And then he's like, I'm never having kids and I'm never having a second kid and I'm never moving to the suburbs. And I have never seen
0: happens. that commercial, but that's me. I've yeah. never seen that. I, I used to say like, I'm never getting married. I'm married. I'm never having kids. I have have eight kids. Um, I used to be like, like cheerleaders are like, so, you know, like they're so cheesy. Like I'll never, I'm married to the captain of the cheerleading team. Um, (laughs) Everything that I ever said, you know, I'll never be in sales. They're like such, you know, sales people, you know, Uh, you know, everything that I ever said has happened to me. So um, I'll never (laughs) go on a kid. Can't can't,
1: can't predict life, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like a blessing for me. It's, it really is. You know, like, so every time, Every time I look down, I'm like, "Oh, be careful!" And then something will happen to me, like, "Ah, oh, I forgot to like be careful about that one." Anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, so we keep hinting at data. I don't know if we're going to touch on data yet. So I don't think we're going there yet. I think what's very, what's really cool to me. Uh, really fast forward, and this is important for for people out there listening, uh, other IT directors, system admins, because you said something that was pretty mind blowing to me the other day. I don't even. Maybe I, maybe I'm really. I might be, um, maybe maybe I'm over embellishing this when I say mind blowing, but it was bold, and I think it's right, and I think it's what everyone needs to do. Um, And it's when you go to get a job in IT, or what the mindset needs to be, or setting the right expectations. I think it was pretty powerful that when you went to go get the job, that I don't know if it was where you're at now or or what it was, but you basically said if you're looking to hire someone to babysit the systems, right. Versus modernize, don't hire me. Right. And I just think that's so powerful because technology is a business force multiplier. And you were seeing that early on in your career as, you know, I really liked solving business problems and we've got so many businesses out there that are treating it still as kind of a cost center. Um, So I'm just curious. I never asked you the other day when we were talking. When you said that, what did they say back?
1: Well, I mean, it got me the job basically because that's what they were looking for. You know, they they didn't want to have a guy to come in and babysit and just do business as usual. They wanted somebody to help modernize and to be a a, you know to help effectuate change. You know, and to bring about you know um, um, better ways of doing business and also modernizing in terms of you know keeping up with what's going on with the business world today, which is evolving at a, at a torrid pace right now, you know? So, um, you know, we don't
0: want to take one, you know, we don't want to take one caper out of the jar to save money and sell more capers. You know what I mean? Like, or create better profit margins. We just want to sell more capers. Um, Mm -hmm. so when you come in and you look at a situation like that, um, kind of what's the first, What's your first And the reason why I'm asking that is for anyone out there that's like, wow, I, I want to do that. Or like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you there. I want to step out of this, you know, cost mm-hmm. center crap that I'm stuck in, or I want to just do right. more. Um, what's your first kind of, I guess, what are the s- set of glasses that you're looking through the lenses that you're looking through? How do you come mm-hmm. in and kind of evaluate and do things?
1: Well, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what you had said the other day about, you know, IT used to be viewed as the the guy who basically uh, works in the data center and they just, you know, shove food under the door and nobody you know, doesn't talk to anybody and doesn't acknowledge anybody unless they send a, a ticket. You know, those days are gone, obviously. We're now in, a, in, a, in an era where IT is expected to be, uh, you know, a leader for change and to bring about, you know, um, uh, an active... You know, um, to be an active participant at the table, so I always like to say it used to be back in the days let 's make a business plan, and then let 's call the i t guy in now it 's changed it's we need to make a business plan let 's get the i t guy in here. you know what i mean there 's a slight nuance there, and what that means is you know companies are starting to realize that before they go into a new business model or change or any kind of change or whatever in their business model, they need to include technology at the table. They need to have a seat at the table, obviously. If they don't, then they're setting themselves up for problems later on down the road. But anyway, Mm -hmm. getting to your question, I think the first thing that an IT director needs to look at, or even any kind of IT leader, is what you know, Today, IT has been commoditized in a lot of areas. So you have now email as a, as a service. You've got uh, unified communications as a service. You have storage as a service.
0: Please don't say that's commoditized. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You Telecom, know, it's and, and, and commoditized, but you still got to call 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND and, and yeah, deal with that customer service. you do, you do. Okay. but what I'm,
1: say- what I'm saying no, you don't. Is, is- My you, point you... is you
0: don't. <laughs> but anyways, keep going,
1: what? go. Oh, My okay. point is like- well,
0: the, the UCAS, because that's what I do, right? Like I do UCAS yeah. on the internet. And my point is, is like, no, it doesn't need to be. If it is being commoditized, then we're losing out. We're wasting time, right? Because you right. can't just call up and order a circuit from Comcast. We can't just call up and order this because um, at the end of the day, it's going to get installed with, you know, someone that's like a project manager that's a butt in the seat, and then when they don't respond to you, that affects your organization. So it doesn't, it is commoditized to a degree as far as pricing goes and historical pricing and data, and we're going to get to that in a second. But right. um, we need partnerships and we need uh, the right partners supporting us. That's just me being hyperactive there. So, but, but yeah. keep going
1: well no I, and, and 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 again what i was getting at and and you you brought that out is that what there are certain things that an it director should get out of his it shop that is not providing any value add by running that from within his shop so I'm I'm not providing any value to my to any business that I work for by having my own telephony guy on staff, having my own security guy on staff, having my own exactly. you know uh, email Perfect. guy on staff, you know, yep. I need to move that out and have someone else do that who does it better and more efficiently. And that's what I meant, you know, because we we internally don't, you know, and and again I'm talking you know in in, in the context of a medium small to medium sized business. We don't really have the, the the you know the money to have that kind of headcount to begin with anyway. So it's it just it makes sense to first of all move all that stuff off off the plate so you can concentrate on what's really providing value add to the business and that is the core competencies and the, and, and things that the business needs to succeed and to move forward.
0: So are you saying the first thing is, is get all the crap out that you don't, shouldn't be wasting time on? Are you saying that's kind of yes. like, like first thing, yeah. look at like, what are we wait, where are we wasting time and where do we not need to waste time?
1: Right. I mean, I don't know if I call it crap, but I, I know what you mean. It's like stuff that Sorry, you don't really want to okay. deal with, stuff it's, you it's, don't want to deal with.
0: It's, uh, thank you for reminding me of that too, because I have, you know, language is so important And I have a few words in my language that I need to eliminate. (laughs) And my wife always reminds me of that too. She's like, stop using the word crap.
1: Uh, So anyways. (laughs) No, I I know what you meant, (laughs) Philip. I know what you meant. You know, it's, 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 um, these are things that are a distraction to the IT manager or director. It's, these are things that are like, you know, I don't want to deal with this. I don't, I don't feel like I should have to deal with this. This is something that other people can do way better than I can do. And who have a, who know how to do it in a way that's, yep good and meaningful, reliable, stable, secure for the organization. so why not the, just pay them to do it?
0: yeah, and to just give proper, I need to make sure that the, you know the siding the food under the door to the geeks in the server room, the first person to say that on my episode was was Aaron Siemens, um so and his show is How to Get Ahead of Shadow IT, which was a great episode, by the way. But I just want to make sure I give credit where credit's due because he's, oh, the, okay. one that used that. he's the one that used that analogy. And it's such a good analogy of like, you know, sliding
1: yeah. food into the door to the geeks. Yeah, way. I like it. Tell him I'm going to borrow it.
0: Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been using it since since he brought that up. Um, but that's... Um, anyways. So, okay. So, get rid... So, and the reason why that's important is because you don't have the luxury of like really being in this like crazy enterprise multi-billion dollar, you know, it department where we've got money to throw around everywhere. Um, the mid market kind of it director space, it leadership, it manager, right. It's all about how much can we get done with the least amount of kind of like budget dollars. And then how can we leverage and, and drive the business forward and grow the business? Um, So what's kind of like, um, you know, let's just kind of go from there. Like, give me an example or something.
1: Okay. So, you know, um, obviously when you look at an organization, you know, from top down, you know, you want to understand, first of all, what their pain points are, you know, where, where are they losing the most money or where are they missing out on opportunity, and any any i t professional that can come in and, and see that I think is a great asset to the organization because not only are you a tech guy but now you're saying hey i I can see where there's some spots here where perhaps there's some low hanging fruit there's some things that we can do to fix your problems quickly and get you on the right path you know so you know whether that means you know virtualizing your entire data center or going hybrid or full cloud or you know um like you know moving email out of the, out of the out of the data center and into the mm-hmm. cloud and or, or getting into even more in depth, where you're saying, "Hey, you guys are running on the wrong ERP. Let's get you on the one that's right for you," you know, so that your business runs better. Or, you know, um, or looking at your CRM and seeing whether it's really tied closely into the way you do business, or whether it's your, whether you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole here and using a product that's expensive and isn't really being fully fully utilized. Because that's that's another thing. Philip, so I see a lot of organizations that buy very expensive software. And maybe they're only using like 25, 30% of it, which is a tremendous waste of money, you know? And, Crazy overlap. And all, Crazy yeah, overlap. Yeah, you know, I dealt with it the other day. Right, day. You to, you, uh, yep. you, or, or like you said, there, there could be two software packages and they're kind of almost doing the same thing. And they're buying these, they're pay, paying licensing on this stuff every year and it's not cheap, you know? It's, we're talking a lot of money. Well, I can tell you anyone right now um, that
0: has <clears> E3 or E5, five uh, licensing and a separate hosted provider and a separate file share type of chat inner office collaboration tool, right? Anyone that's paying for O365 and not leveraging the, like, Teams and leveraging everything of that license. Like, that's just one example that I see on a daily basis. Yeah. I've got some people that are like, hey, we want, we're trying to drive home Teams. We want you to use Teams. We want you this. Well, why aren't you, you know, I don't know if you know this, but if you've got E5 licensing that you're paying for and then you're paying another $25 or $30 per license for your hosted voice over IP seat, uh, here's a little secret. I can show you how to only pay $4.95 for your hosted VoIP seat. And as we fully integrated with the Microsoft Direct with Microsoft direct partner. Um, there you go. So, and there's like a huge, you know, and now you don't have to have, you know, multiple chat platforms, you don't have to have multiple, you know, you can really bring it all in house if you're a Microsoft shop. Some people aren't, some people yeah. are like, you know, some people are yeah. G Suite and that's fine. Um right. But that's just like one example, obviously. Um you mentioned um you know, ERP, CRM, the right stuff for you I guess, how do you go about it? You know, because how are we collecting mm-hmm. data? And this is where we get in with data. And data is so powerful. And I don't think people really understand. Data is as powerful as the computer being invented. And right, I mean, it, it really gets mm-hmm. that far guess we've been collecting data for so long. And a lot of people have data. And, and now it's about software sifting through data. Uh, anyways, <coughs> how, how do you go about data and collecting it and making a decision?
1: Well, number 1, I mean, I think it's really important for any any um, you know, company to try to integrate all their systems because systems that that work in a in a vacuum and collect data that aren't sharing that data with other systems, I think to me is is setting a, an organization up for a lot of problems and failures up down, later on down the road because, you know, um having data is, you know, having clean data number 1 is so important. You know, data that's accurate and that that is that is correct. But not only that, but making sure that updates, for example, that incur like in a CRM, are making their way down to the RP and vice versa. You know, that that kind of communication really should be something that every IT director puts their foot down on and says, "Look, I insist we got to have that integration. Otherwise, it's just not going to work for us. You know, and and it's going to cause a lot of hassles because you're going to have a guy running a CRM report that shows you know daily sales history." or sales history. And then the other guy is going to run it out of ERP and his report's going to look a little different. And then they're gonna be like, well, why are they not matching up? You know? And then you've got all these people scratching their heads and wondering, okay, well, which, which, mm-hmm. which system is our system of record? You know, which what's the source of truth here, you know? So, and then on top that, of that, there's
0: a human factor as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, human factor. How are and, you entering the think-
0: data? Are you just entering BS numbers? Or are you just entering? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how yep. often do people just enter something in to just get to the next screen?
1: That's a very valid point. You know, let's say you have a required field, and I've seen this happen. You know, where customer service contact centers, you know, they'll just put some some gobbledygook in that field just to get past that screen, and now you've got a field with gobbledygook in it on over one hundred to to two hundred fifty thousand records. You know, and, and then that's the question
0: is, and then the question is, should we even have that field, or should we force people to enter in the right information? Maybe it's just get rid of that field.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there, that's 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 the thing I think that is really uh, opening people's eyes, and I think you know, BI and data analytics is is, is sort of putting the finger on that on the pulse of that, where you know we need to understand the data that we have, whether it's useful or are we collecting informa- superfluous information that is of no value to the organization. So, or is there data we should be collecting that we're not? And I I think IT can help to, you know, um, spearhead that conversation and and engage other departments to make sure that that's happening. Because Mm -hmm. if that's not, then you really are, uh, you're only hurting yourself as an organization because you're not fully leveraging what you could potentially leverage and the data that you could be collecting, you know. So you, you brought up a very good point, you know, about that. That's that's really, I think the crux of it in the very beginning. And then obviously you get into, yeah, you know, data class, sure. data classification and making sure that you have the right, um, you, that you have it secure secure and, and accessible to the correct people within the organization.
0: Anyone that solves this, anyone that's a real good, anyone that can solve this stuff is going to be worth, it's just worth their weight in gold, you know? Yeah. I mean, in the, like I was saying earlier, the metaphor for this, that the, the person that experiences this on a daily basis, every single day, every day, is all of us when we go to the hospital or we go to the doctor. Right. Yeah. Cause how often do you go to your doctor? Oh, now you gotta go to the hospital and get an x-ray, or you gotta go get a blood test, or you gotta go, then they gotta enter all your information again. And then you gotta go from the first floor to the second floor, they gotta enter all your information again. And it's different fields. Yep. People walk- Once they figure out how to communicate effectively in the healthcare world, that will be, that's in, and what's really getting in the way is obviously, it's ironically business gets in the way there because everyone wants to, everyone wants to sell their electronic medical record system and this isn't going to talk with that. And then we've got to move databases, but, Mm -hmm. um, that's just, yeah me having too much coffee this morning going off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last time we talked about um, kind of just solving some general problems, um, whether it be, you know, swiping in and out type of stuff and standing tablets and solving for problems. Or just give me some examples for other people listening here of like, mm-hmm. maybe they haven't, um, maybe they're up and growing, maybe they're young, maybe it was, how can some other yeah. other people listening to the show get involved with creating positive business change like what are some of the habits and mm-hmm. some of the things that we can do
1: well um you know for starters i think that you know and and and, this, and again i work for a manufacturing and distribution company right now so we we basically um you know we manufacture spices and food bases you know soups and things and and we also have a dist- independent distributor network so anything that i do obviously focuses in around that but you know to answer your question um, this goes back to the pain points. You know, um, the first thing I asked, obviously, when I was here was, you know, when I looked at our distributor model and I looked at their point of sale system, I said, what, what are your pain points there? And they're like, well, you know, they're using these old laptops and they don't really like them and we'd like to upgrade. You know? And I'm thinking, okay, but what's your goal? And they're like, well, we just, we want to get off the laptops. And I'm like, okay, that's not really a goal. I'm like, what? what's your goal? What are you trying to achieve here? And they're like, well, <laughs> we, want our, we want our distributors to be able to sell faster and to be in and out of each kitchen, you know, and a food service kitchen within, you know, uh, a fraction of what they spend, time they spend now. So, cool, said, okay, so, so hold that's on, that's
0: natural to you. So that's coming natural yeah. to you, but that might not come natural to some people. So some people mm-hmm. just... Don't just take, I guess the point is, is don't just take orders, right? You're, you're yeah. the guy, you're the technology guy. You're the one that knows better than everyone else. You may not mm-hmm. know the, the business better than anyone else, but that's why you're asking questions. And that's why you're analyzing, right? It's yep. don't just take orders and, and replace the laptops. <laughs> Don't do that.
1: Yep. Well, anyways, so go on. So, I, well, I've always said, you know, that being being an IT guy is sometimes a lot of times like being a journalist. You need to get the the real scoop. You need to dig. You can't just take what the people tell you at face value. You need to go deeper and get the real story.
0: And some people might be scared to do that because with that comes responsibility. And any and now you've taken ownership for the change.
1: Right. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, in like a way, if you had yeah. just replaced, like,
0: mean, if you had just replaced the laptops, you could have done that and gone right back to um them slipping food underneath the door into the server closet and just uh, gone and clocked in and clocked out, and you would have. Yep. But like you said, that's not why they wanted to hire you, anyways. Um, yeah. Instead, you had to take responsibility. So now, any any changes that you make, the results are now on you. So mm-hmm. let's talk. So yep. what happened? So what happened? So we're obviously we didn't go laptops. We didn't. Replace
1: so by by capturing that information by now understanding what the goal is the business objective so to speak i now have something i can go to vendors with and say this is what we're trying to achieve if you know a way in which we can do this in a very cost effective manner let's talk you know and that's kind of I mean, I hate to you know, sound simplistic, but that's really how the conversation starts. And then it gets, of course, into the granularity of what we need to do. But, you know...
0: I'm going to have to go... I'm going to have to do a show of how we talk to vendors someday because that's... Yeah. I mean, that's another yeah. one. Because how do you start weeding out what vendors <clears throat> are actually actually care and understand what you're saying versus the vendors mm-hmm. that are just going to give you some sort of like, you know... Right. Whatever.
1: Yeah, because you, you and I both know mo- most vendors start off with this is what we have. This is what we can do for you. And you like it? You know, and it's like, uh, you know, that's it's a great
0: idea. If you replace your entire yeah. ERP system, we can. Include-
1: right. Yeah. Right. So. Now, now the worst part is when you come with what you want, you know, immediately they start thinking, you know, they see dollar signs. Oh, we're going to we're going to customize the heck out of what we have, you know, and, I'm, you know, that's not the right answer either. So what you want to find is the vendor that most closely matches what you're looking to do and can solve your business problem, you know, that can help you to, like you said, partner with you to, to get you to where you want to be, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think the answer to that is don't go direct. My, my, right. my personal opinion is never go direct <clears throat> to the vendor, go to someone that's been in that space that understands yep. that space very, very well. It's been in that space for a long time.
1: Yes, I totally agree. You know, having, a consultant who's vendor agnostic on your side is a big plus because now you have somebody who's on your side and who's looking out for you and who's helping you to find the right vendor mix. And not the first that, person they're, that's they're, ever they're, said they're, they're vendor- a firewall. They're a firewall for you because you don't have to deal with all yeah. the phone calls and emails from all, because you, you know, as well as I do, once a vendor gets you, as a, protect, a potential hot lead, they're gonna just pound you with phone calls and emails and demos and oh, we want to send our guys, fly them down there to see you and blah blah blah. You're yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that yet. I first, you know, we're still in the preliminary stages here, and we want to make sure you guys are even right before we talk to you, kind of thing. <laughs> you actually
0: just explained my whole value add. I'm actually really. sure. You're the first person to ever really restate my value add without even us even talking about it. You said vendor yeah. agnostic. I say carrier agnostic all the time. Time. yeah yep yeah that's um,
1: that 's huge you know, philip that's that that is a big value of ad today in today 's market because there are so many competitors out there, and you know there are a lot of choices there 's a lot of choices, even for this point of sale thing this project I mean, I think I initially told you we had like twenty-five, thirty p, pe- thirty companies we were looking at, Oof. you know. And of course, we we narrowed down the list, you know. We we shortlisted it quite quickly, but you know, it's it's a lot of information to process and go through, and it's it's kind of like hiring a, a new hire, I, you know. You get a you yeah. get a pile of resumes, and you got to go through these resumes, and you're like, man, this is this is killing me here. If you, you don't
0: know? have that vendor <laughs> agnostic guy, in, because it, he some industries they don't <clears throat> exist, right? Like, right. I, I don't know if it exists in the POS. Yeah, what I have found is that typically I save someone about five months of time. What I'm finding is that five to six people are involved on in every decision-making process, right? Like you've got account, right. you've got your teams that need, you know, you, in, my, in, in my business, like it might be the the head of the call center, right? She, you know, he or she wants to see certain wall boards and get certain reports, right? So you got that person involved. And then you've got another person involved. And then you've know, so you got all these different people involved in the process, um, it takes, I would say tr- like a lot of times for people like up to eight months. Um, right. and if you've got that yep. person that has the knowledge already, it eliminates five months of that, of sifting, right. and meeting with vendors and, you know,
1: absolutely. It's, it's a huge help.
0: Um, anyways, um, so let's go back to what we were doing, what we were doing when, um, you know, the replacing the, the laptops.
1: Right. Yeah, so basically, you know, we settled on a on a tablet-based system that has an Android app- application that is very tightly integrated with our ERP, which is something they've never had here before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously having a tablet also offers up, an, uh, you know, a plethora of other options, such as, you know, having a GPS or a route book mm-hmm. for the delivery guys, um, you know, having, um, you know, um, some sort of uh, intranet or extranet, I should say, that they can go to download, Sales materials, promotional,s um, mm-hmm. you know. Look at training videos. You know, just keeping these guys on their toes about what what are what we're trying to promote and get out, get the word out. You know, and it, you know they Making can chat now with easy. customer service. You know, they uh. can they can they can contact IT or inventory or whomever if they need support. It uh-huh. just opens up a whole bunch of new things that they can do now that they couldn't do so easily before.
0: So, what were some of the metrics, or what were some of the things that? We, the bullet points, I guess. Give me bullet points. Yeah. What, it, what, what did okay. we not have before that we have now? And, and what were, like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, wow, that, that would be great. You know, like, what were some of the things mm-hmm. that the key st- stakeholders said that you made suggestions? And, mm-hmm. like, what were some of the things?
1: Well, you know, the, the laptop-based system was very antiquated. And, of course, it, 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 you know, it required them to be online to transmit their orders for the day. And, you know, being that they're driving around and a lot of these guys didn't have, you know, uh MiFi or any kind of jetpack uh, jet pack or whatever, you know, they, or, or tethering USB on their phone. Wireless they, they, card.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They weren't connected. So they're all day, they're going around ringing up orders and, you know, invoicing customers and what have you. And then at the end of the day, they're transmitting everything up to us. And then we import it into our ERP. But that was a very kludgy, cumbersome system because obviously sometimes things would not work. They would get, you know, they wouldn't import. There were the errors. Get deleted,
0: inven- double,
1: double yeah. entry,
0: not, definitely yep. not real time. It wasn't real
1: time. Yeah, inventory inconsistencies, you know, yeah. and you know, we would spend sometimes hours sorting through, you know, all kinds of um, you know, data import errors and trying to figure out what happened. Gotcha. So it's, just, it's just a lot of work for everybody. And it didn't really uh, help them much. And of course, they, in the field, they were using you know, that, I mean, we were laughing about it before, but they used these little portable dot matrix printers with the three ply paper, you know, so that Mm, the customer gets one and they get one and then they mail one, you know, snail mail and the other one in, you know, with the signature on it. So it's just, just very old way of doing business. It worked, you know, I'm not going to say it didn't work. It worked, but there was no room for expansion or growth Mm -hmm. and, you know, competition could easily come along and, 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 you know, outdo that, you know, and it just, it just wasn't a very smooth way to, handle transactions, it wasn't wowing the customer, you know, because I'm a big, yeah. you know, wow the customer kind of guy. I'm all about customer experience, you know. So, mm. you know, bringing in these tablet-based systems was kind of almost like a like an enlightenment for them because now they could capture electronic signatures, they could do, you know, they could do swipe payments on site, they could, you know, contact people very easily, whether it be the regional mm. general manager or a customer service, they can chat with them, they could mm-hmm video conferences, just stuff they could never do before, you know? And, and,
0: what were we doing video conferencing for?
1: <clears throat> well, not really like video. I meant, meant like Skype or something. They really could, you know? yeah. If, yeah, if they wanted to. That's a lot of them don't do it. But, gotcha. you know, it, 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 it like if they wanted to have a presentation, let's say, to a chef in a food service kitchen, let's say in a hotel. Yeah. Oh, they cool. could have the they could have the regional general manager on the, on the tablet, and then they're talking next to him, you know, and they're both yeah. doing their little sales pitch, you know. So yeah. our beef um, base
0: did I did I tell yeah. you about our beef our new beef base that's grass fed? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, that's go. awesome. So yeah, obviously a, a huge um, a huge difference. Um, here's the tough question: mm-hmm. uh, training everyone on that and getting end user buy-in, um, were you like prior? So I guess my question is there's, there's two ways to do your end user training and that is to get cheerleaders and everyone bought into it before you ever do it and make it their, make it their idea to begin with. Like we got it. We, we actually got everything that we wanted. Um, so how did it, you know, how did that work? Like when, when it comes to end users and communication with everyone, um, how do you roll this out?
1: Well, that's a great question, Philip. Um, you know, there's a little bit of strategy involved there. And what I basically did, number one, is, um, you know, I chose to pilot these with what I want to say are very favorable, very technology savvy purveyors, distributors. Mm -hmm. These were guys that were very open arms about it. You know, and you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. pick like the most cantankerous guy we have who's been working for the company for 30 years and who doesn't want to, you know, deal with technology at all and have him start using it. You know, that that's a bad Uh move. Yeah, so get like, get, and, get a bunch of
0: people on your side first. Yeah,
1: yeah, get get people on your side because they will then you know champion it to other people in the, in the distributor network. They'll say, hey, you know, we started using these tablets and they're really great. You know, you guys need to get on these things because we're we're. You know, we're crushing it now. You know, we're being, we're doing deliveries, more deliveries than we ever did per day. We, you know, we're like the UPS guy. We're in and out, you know? And just so, to clear,
0: and just for, and w- this is interesting because this is an, an, a very interesting dynamic too, because this is more like a channel, like a channel sales, channel distribution model. Correct. Not, these are not employees, right? Like, right. These are, people, these,
1: are, these are independent, independent distributors that could go work wherever throughout they want. the country. To yeah. Honest. yeah. I mean, most of them work out of, you know, major, you know, NFL cities or, you know, uh, uh, smaller type towns and cities, but they, yeah, they each have their own business that they run. And we, we basically provide them product on consignment, which they then sell and get a commission on based on what they sell. So it, it can be very lucrative for some of these guys. Cause a lot of them are former chefs, you know, and they, they know how to walk the walk and talk the talk and they can go and walk into any kitchen and talk shop with a, with a the chef there and get them to, you know, yeah, get them to see the value of what Schreiber brings to the table.
0: You know, that's awesome. That's like the yeah the the, the past nurse that's now a pharmaceutical rep.
1: Um, right, you got it. You you nailed it. Yep. <laughs> um,
0: all right, cool. Um, okay, so you picked you picked your best guys, um, uh-huh. and then so how did the rest of the rollout go? How, and then what did some of the key stakeholders say? Kind of like just you know paint a picture.
1: Well, you know, um obviously, um you know, as you know, most i t guys aren't usually good at explaining things sometimes like you'll you'll ask them what time it is, and they'll tell you how to make a watch, you know <laughs> so it's like you know you you uh and then so not what documented. I did is i yeah exactly they they give you more information than you wanted, so what I did is we we have a corporate trainer, um you know and she also handles all of our uh sales training as well, but I engaged her and basically said, "Look." we need to build a training curriculum that, um, is user friendly. Number one, <laughs> number two, that, uh, you feel you could go around and show these guys how to do in a, in a very, um, you know, uh, effective way. So by using her knowledge and her, her training abilities and, and getting her involved, I think was a big help because that, that basically, um, allows us to, um, you know, um, get, training that is meaningful out to our distributors, you know, not something that a, not some PDF manual that, that an IT guy wrote that is, makes no sense to them, you know? So you asked for help. Yeah, basically. Yep. Yep. Because Uh, training is, training is, is, you know, a tricky beast. Um, you know, people always think, oh yeah, throw a trainer in there and problem solved, you know, but no, it's not that easy. You know, training, there are nuances to training and as you know there are good trainers and bad trainers and you know you want somebody that obviously understands their audience and knows how to convey information in a very effective way and it's important and to have you've got different that, end users.
0: I mean, you've got Yeah, you've got end. different
1: end users, different personalities. Like I mentioned before, you know, you've got some guys who are like, are ready for this with open arms. And you've got other guys who are like, I want my laptop. Give me back my laptop. <laughs> and, <laughs> you
0: know? and, and telecom on a daily basis. So you've got a millennial that says, why do I mm-hmm. need to sit in on this stupid, you know. Right. Um, Just send me like the cheat sheet. Like, I mean, it's a soft phone. Like, how hard is it? I download the app. Yeah. Oh, I mean, come on. And then you've got, you know, some, you know, maybe you've got a guy that's been the head of the law firm for whatever. And he wants Mm -hmm. his line, line one, line two, line three button on his old Nortel phone. And what do you mean? What do you mean? There's no you know, line anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, just get, yeah. you know, I mean, that's the person that you need to literally, you know, he's kind of yeah. important. You got to stand over his shoulder. And here's how you transfer a
1: call. Here's how you put some, yeah. you know, I, um, you know that type I, of stuff. I still remember, I still remember when Microsoft office introduced the, the, the tab on top the smart or fast tab, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. I don't know which version it was, but man, did that create waves throughout the country because people were so used to Going into the office menu and finding what they want very quickly, and now everything was changed, and people just freaked out. You know, they just went nuts. Hmm. And you know, you would think something so something so you know innocuous like that would not really affect users, but it did. You know, there were some users who were visibly upset by that.
0: This reminded <laughs> this reminded <laughs> me of that Saturday Night Live skit where they were making fun of the Microsoft paperclip guy.
1: Yeah, jump, oh yeah. Jump on this. Yeah, the that was. <laughs>
0: That was hilarious.
1: Yeah, I see you're trying to do X, Y, Z. Can I help you? And you're like, turn this guy off, man. (laughs) That was so funny. Or it was a dog. They also had a dog, too. One of the funniest skits ever.
0: So, okay, so man, last question. Any piece of advice out there for... I don't know, any other IT directors listening, is there any, any tips that you have? The other word, by the way, the other, the other vocabulary word other than crap that I need to eliminate from my vocabulary is, <laughs> is tricks. I say, any tips or tricks? And they say, well, I'm not trying to trick. Yeah. And I don't mean like trick and I'm not running any tricks. I'm just, you know, I mean, oh, you're right. Just eliminate that word. Um, right. So tips, uh, best practices, like anything that you do that you just kind of do naturally that might be like, I don't know, a secret tactic
1: yeah i well i wouldn't call it a secret, but i mean i I see a lot of guys who don't do it. I think they need to talk to their you know uh superior who whether it be a c level exec or whomever or a vice president, and they would need to tell them I need a seat at the table when projects are being you know um, initially thought about, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be called in when the pro the business decision has already been made, you know, and uh, I think in they words, need to hey, be we just adamant about a,
0: that. We just purchased a new uh, CRM. Uh, can you go implement
1: it please? Right. Yeah. That's just, that's, that, that's so bad on so many levels. I can't even tell you because, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it, first of all, it demotivates a lot of IT professionals because they feel like they were not even part of the decision. Therefore their opinion doesn't really matter, you know, and that, and nothing could be more, Wrong than that, but I think they really need to seat at the table when these when these when these business ideas are being thrown around because they might even be able to uh, um, you know add to that and say, look, you know, um, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? You know, there are different avenues, there are different ways to do things. You know, and mm. with technology today, as you know, there's options. There's a lot of options. So um, yeah, that's that's really my advice I give to a lot of IT leaders that if you're not sitting at the, if you don't have a seat at the table where decisions are being made about the future of the company, then you probably are being sidelined by a lot of what's going on. And you're probably, you know, being having projects forced down on you that you may not even be, uh, you may not even be able to do successfully because you weren't even involved in the, in the decision process. So
0: I, I ran this survey. <clears throat> I ran this survey on Facebook um, of mm-hmm. all pla- of all places. Um, and i i I ran the survey to IT directors within uh, two hundred to a thousand employee companies, right? And i uh, the question that I asked was, like what best describes your decision making process like within the companies? A legacy break fix mindset, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, B uh, B was stakeholders make product decisions and handoff to IT for execution. Uh, right. Let's see. C was IT makes purchasing decisions based on appropriate budget, and D was advanced purchasing policy using proof of concept and financial with you know financial and legal stability, like you know. Right. Like that, right. So yeah. like the, like probably like all the arrogant guys answered like D, yeah. which is re- which is really not many, right? Right. <laughs> I was shocked at how many people yeah. selected B. Stakeholders make yeah. decisions and
1: hand off yeah. to IT for execution. It's a big problem, Philip. It's a big, big problem. And there's, there's also like, like we the need flips. to send I,
0: out psychologists I, I, for those people. Yeah, for those yeah. IT guys. They and, must and, just be and, depressed
1: and hate. Yeah, life. And, and and there's also there's a corollary to that. There's a flip side to that that I've seen some organizations where they can't make a decision. So IT just goes out and, and gets something that they think the company wants without really sitting down and understanding the business problem, you know, figuring out the how before the what, you know. Oh, that's the, another know, or, thing.
0: Or, that's a whole nother you know, other How many IT guys? I'm sorry,
1: have... I'm to say the what before the how, you know, figuring out what we're going to do before we do, figure out how chicken we're going to do it. before the
0: egg, but, egg before the chicken, yeah, whatever it is. How many IT yeah. guys make decisions without taking their end users into consideration or even asking end users?
1: Absolutely. Uh, will it's, this help it's, you? It's, it's usually it's usually a, it's usually a disaster. You end up with the you know you gave me what I asked for, but not what I wanted syndrome. You know the, the business is like, okay, great, but this doesn't really help us. You know, and then you got you got you got what I call the uh, the software syndrome, where you got twenty five percent usage of the software, and the rest of it just sits there and lies dormant. You know, it's not not a good yeah. situation.
0: It's a, it's a, <clears throat> there's a revolution going on now. You know, it will not be mm-hmm. te- will not be televised. It'll be on. It'll <laughs> be on this show.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So hey. Well, there, there, there's a there, there's a famous there's a famous Aldous Huxley quote: "Technology progress has merely provided us with more efficient means for going backwards," which is kind of a fatalistic view if you if you think about it of, of technology. No, not. But no, it's not. he had it's a point. He had he had yeah. a point, and, and that is you know that technology and this is my quote. I came up with this one, I think, and I, I don't remember seeing it anywhere. But <laughs> you know, technology is like fire. You can either you know burn yourself and your business to the ground if you don't know what you're doing, or you can leverage it to you know uh, you know achieve your wildest uh business goals, you know It's, yeah. it's just a matter of how you approach it.
0: And that's I have a key. little a little pet peeve with when I when I email people and it's it's just email is <laughs> almost like worthless to me now, right? Like why, yeah. why why should I even email someone about like you know that if I don't if I don't really, really know them, there's no point in me emailing you, right? So I get all oh, don't spit, you know, I get I probably, you know, I connect with people on LinkedIn, and they say, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to connect with you, you know, but um not if you're gonna spam yeah. me and endlessly. I'm like <laughs> you, know, somebody, hey, yeah. get, you know, I get like one out of a hundred, I'll say like, not, but not if you're going to spam me endlessly. I'm like, okay. Right. It's funny. I, as I said to a guy the other day, I said, well, can I send you a pair of socks? Is that spam? Yeah. And, but, but the point is, is right. Like email has, and that's the example of technology that's gone for e- email is just the worst way to tell anyone about a product or service nowadays. Right. You have a better yeah. chance of sending them something in the mail. Yeah, and, with pres- and back in the day, it used to be junk mail. It used to be just like junk mail, junk, yeah. mail, junk mail. But now right. it's like, it has gone backwards. It literally is. It is has yeah. absolutely gone backwards. I have a better chance. Well, e- better.
1: email, email filters have gotten much more sophisticated now too. They can tell whether it's a, an advertisement or, or a sales pitch and they'll just throw it into a, you know, a junk mail folder. Well, true. So, but I'm just, you, you know, know,
0: for the guy that's trying to sell you the square peg in the round hole, like of the 300, yeah. that wants to fly in from Arkansas, yeah. you know, like what you basically just said, right? Like, that guy will get through, um, but he mm-hmm. should not be using email. He should not right send you a. No,
1: I agree. Email. I agree with you. Um, yeah.
0: This has been a a fun conversation. Um, uh, a, a lot of fun. I've I'm fully cast. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Uh, so, so you have provided some value information, some valuable information and I have blabbed a little bit. Um, so thank you very much for being on the show, man. And, uh, the next, next great win or, or business, you know, just please like share the stories, share the success stories, uh, so I can have you back on the show.
1: Absolutely, Philip. It was a great pleasure and an honor to be on and I enjoyed our discussion a great deal. We we uh, you know it's always great to talk to a colleague and share ideas and, and learn about things and got some even got some great anecdotes and quotes out of it. So it's always yeah, yeah. fun. <laughs>
0: You're awesome, man. Have a great day.
1: You too. Take care. <laughs>